Welcome to Truth for Transformation with Timothy Brown. Timothy is the lead pastor of Arden First Baptist Church in Arden, North Carolina. Our mission is to lead ordinary people into extraordinary life in Christ. We pray that today's message inspires you to live an extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. Check out our website for more inspiring resources, ardenfbc.com. Now, here's today's message from Pastor Timothy Brown. We want to welcome you here. I'm Timothy. I'm one of the pastors here. And if this is your first time here, we want to say welcome home. Our mission here is to lead ordinary people into extraordinary life in Christ. And it's just exciting to see what God is doing. And we're on the ground level of something new. So we just want to say welcome. Let's prepare our hearts in prayer as we go to the Lord. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and just want to thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for that amazing time of worship to you, Father. And that was so moving to hear the choir sing and to sing your praises Lord, I pray you bless each person present and those listening online, that they would just be encouraged and moved by what you're doing and that you would speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I read a story recently about a young girl that unfortunately she had a terminal illness. And her doctor told her that she had just a little while to live. And she was just so devastated because she was a Christian And she wanted her life to count for Jesus, and she didn't know what to do. So she talked to her pastor and said, Pastor, you know the diagnosis is not good. My life expectancy is only a few weeks to a few months, and I don't know what to do because I really wanted to do something for Jesus. And her pastor, the Lord just kind of gave him wisdom, and he said, I want to encourage you to make a prayer list and pray for everyone in this town that doesn't know Jesus like you do. Pray that they would get saved, that they would become born again. So she started praying every night, every day, just praying for, for these people that would come to know the Lord. And in time, while she was still living, God broke out a mighty revival in that town. And sure enough, people started getting saved one after another. And she began to check off the people off of her list. And then she, she died and went to be with the Lord. And after her death, they found a note under her pillow. It was a prayer list. It had 57 names of people that needed salvation, and it had check marks. And what they did is they tracked that list, and basically everyone on that list got saved. The number 57 got saved on the night of her death. Isn't that amazing, the power of prayer? And today we're going to talk about how prayer is something we talk about and we practice, but are we moved by it? Does prayer actually change us? Does prayer actually change things? And I really believe that for many of us Christians, we have a one-dimensional prayer life. And what I mean by one-dimensional is we know how to ask God for things, but are we seeking God? Are we knocking? Are we moving towards what God is doing? So what I want to encourage you is this is one of the holy habits that is transformative, that if you've been a believer for 50 years, I want you to evaluate Is my prayer life three-dimensional or is it one-dimensional? Am I just asking God? And for those of you who are new to this church, this may be a message that will change your life, that after this scripture reading and talking about God's word, your prayer life will be revolutionized. So today we're going to be in Luke chapter 11, and we are going to talk about what's been known as the Lord's Prayer. It's better called the Disciples' Prayer. Because what we pray, our Father in heaven, Jesus can't necessarily pray the whole prayer because he can't say, forgive me my sins, right? Because he committed no sin. So this is the model prayer for the disciples. 
If you want to see the Lord's Prayer, go to John 17, where he prays for the disciples and for future believers. So today we're going to talk about the power of prayer, the power of passionate prayer, praying like your life depends on it because it does. So let's go to Luke chapter 11 and welcome to those watching online. We're so glad you're worshiping with us. In Luke chapter 11, it begins with, now it came to pass as Jesus was praying in a certain place when he sees that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. Now let's pause there. It's interesting that the disciples asked Jesus, Jesus, teach us to pray. Why did they ask that? Well, if you look on your listening guide, I list several references. They asked that because Jesus modeled what a prayer life should look like. Jesus prayed often. He prayed regularly. He prayed early mornings. He prayed late at night. Jesus often withdrew to places like the wilderness and on mountaintops. On key moments in Jesus' life, he prayed all night. Jesus prayed with passion. You guys remember the Garden of Gethsemane where he prayed so hard. It's like great drops of blood came down. He just, he prayed with fervor. He prayed in the, in the Father's will. He prayed over food. He prayed God's blessings on food. He prayed that the disciples would receive God's blessing. And you could look at that list later in your own time and see the reason why his disciples asked this is Jesus modeled it. So read with me the next verse. He said, To them, when you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who's indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So before we read verse 5, many of us know this prayer. We've prayed it. And it serves as the model prayer. But what I love about Luke's gospel versus Matthew's gospel, Luke's gospel instantly, after it tells you the style in which you're to pray, he gives examples of what, what it's to you. Like, how should you respond? It's not just a one-dimensional prayer. It's not just asking, but it's also seeking and knocking. And prayer is three-dimensional. So he gives us this first illustration, verse 5. And he said to them, which of you shall have a friend... And go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, friend, lend me three loaves, loaves of bread. For a friend of mine has come on his journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and said, do not trouble me. The door is shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise to give to him because he's his friend, yet because of his persistence, He will rise and give him as many as he needs. So the first analogy he gives is like, okay, you know how to pray. Now do you know the persistence of prayer? Do you know to keep on asking, keep on going after God? And then in verse 9, he gives us another example. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And to him who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. And I love this third illustration, this next one. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? And it's an implied, obviously, no. Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... 
How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? May God bless his word. So today we're going to talk about holy habit number four, the power of prayer. And what I want to do is present prayer as a three-dimensional activity. It's not one-dimensional, but it's three. So if you look back at your scripture, the first dimension is this, the posture of prayer. Notice, pray like you're talking to who? A loving father. How many of you have ever struggled with knowing how to pray? Like, God, how do I pray? How many of you have ever struggled with your mind wandering in prayer? As I often like to say, some of you have SADD. Spiritual attention deficit disorder. I mean, you're praying, your mind is going, and you're like, I started off well, but then I wondered. How many of you fall asleep while you're praying? I mean, the list goes on and on. So Jesus gives us this posture. Whenever you talk, talk as though you're talking to the best dad you can imagine. Because he's not just a loving father, he's the perfect father. A lot of us have loving dads here on earth, but they're not perfect. So he says that when, whenever you pray... Pray as though you're talking to this loving, heavenly Father. And when you think about the disciples, notice they didn't ask Jesus, teach us how to preach. They said, teach us how to pray. While preaching is important, we cannot underemphasize the paramount importance of prayer, that prayer is something that has the power not just to change the world, but it has the power to change you. And I just want you to think about this, that prayer is the connection between heaven and earth. Think about heaven and earth. They seem so far away, but heaven is the connection. Prayer is the conversation between God and you that unleashes the resources of heaven for the needs of earth. Prayer is the lifeline that keeps you sane in a world that seems to be going insane. How many of you think the world's gone cray-cray, right? Christians should at least have sanity about them because of prayer. Prayer is the power source that keeps you energized for the Christian life, to live a victorious Christian life. Prayer is the vehicle that ushers you into the very presence of God. Prayer is the most powerful thing you can do in asking God to usher down his will from heaven down to earth. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at this disciples prayer, this model prayer. And before we break it down, I just want to say I think it's okay to pray this verbatim. There's nothing wrong with doing that. Christians do that around the world. I think Jesus' intention was not to give us something we pray verbatim, but to teach us how to pray. Teach us the model of praying. And I think if we learn the model prayer, it will help us in how to structure our prayer life. So I want to give you some pro tips from the person that was the expert in praying, Jesus himself. Many of you surf, surf the web, and they'll have pro tips for home decorations, pro tips for this, pro tips for that. I want to give you nine pro tips under the first point about the strategy of Jesus. How did he give us the strategy to pray? How did he teach his disciples to pray? First tip is this. Make prayer a priority in your life. Make prayer a priority. Notice he said, when you pray, not if or occasionally, but when if you want your prayer to be powerful, you need to get in the habit of making prayer a priority. Notice he says, when you pray, prayer should be a priority in your life. Second pro tip is start with God, not yourself. Notice the next phrase, our Father in heaven. How many of us, when we pray, we start with our problems? God, I need your help. And instead of talking to like God in heaven, 
our Heavenly Father, we treat God like a Santa Claus. You know, he's making a list, checking it twice, going to find out who's naughty or nice. And it's like, God, are you watching? But God, while you're up there, why don't you just bless me with like a huge bag of goodies, right? We treat God like Santa. Or some of us treat God like a cosmic genie. You know, you rub the bottle, poof, make three wishes, right? And he's like, no, no, God's not like that. God is the Father in heaven. And he treats you like a child. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the famous pastor, gave this analogy when he's talking about this passage. He said, imagine your children, you fathers out there, imagine your children coming to you and asking for your razor blades that you shave with. Would you give a little child your razor blades to play with if they ask it? Answer is no. Imagine if your child gets into the medicine cabinet and they think the medicine tastes really good. Would you let your child consume medicine if they ask you? Answer is no. So Spurgeon says, think about your heavenly father. The reason why sometimes he says no is he knows if he grants it, it would hurt you. It's like a child playing razor blades. It's like a kid getting in the medicine cabinet. It's not going to be for your, your benefit. Now, whenever we pray, there's generally three ways God answers the prayer. What is that? Yes, no, and wait or not now. Think about your eight-year-old daughter. She may want to drive the car And it's not right now, right? When you get 16, let's talk about it, right? So here's the thing. When you pray, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven. So it starts with God. It starts with a focus on him. Third pro tip from Jesus. Remember that praise always comes before problem and provision. Notice the next phrase. Hallowed be your name. Why would God want us to start with how big he is? Because here's the thing. If you start with your problem, if you magnify your problem, your view of God will be minimized. Whenever you think your problem's huge, sometimes you think that God's not powerful enough. But whenever you start with how big God is, whenever you magnify the Lord in your mind, whenever you realize that we serve God Almighty who can do anything, we serve the star breather, the God that breathed and stars were created. We serve the God that knows every atom in your body. Every electron, proton, neutron, all the stuff in the world, he's orchestrated it. So when you start off with God, your name is separate, it's hallowed. And when I magnify you in my mind, all my problems seem so very small. That's why we start with who God is and how big he is before we start with problems. Number four, the fourth pro tip from Jesus, ask for God's coming kingdom. The idea that of the kingdom of God is, God, how you rule, it's, it's like perfect, right? I live in a messed up world. Where I, where I work, my boss is messed up. Now, no staff better here say me, amen. In, in the world where I live in, people are messed up. They're struggling. But God, what I want is your rule and your reign as it is in heaven to invade where I'm living on earth. In other words, Jesus said, you're going to be salt and you're going to be light. So let the kingdom come down in how I live my life. Let, let heaven invade earth as I go about my daily life. The, the fifth pro tip from Jesus is seek heaven's culture to become your culture. Look at the next phrase. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. What would happen In this messed up world we live in, what if you started bringing the culture of heaven into your everyday life? What if people were stressed out at your work or if you're retired, your spouse stressed out or whatever analogy you want to bring. 
but you brought the peace of heaven to the situation. What if someone didn't know what to do and they were struggling and instead of giving some pop psychology, you said, I'm going to pray for you right now. Let's pray. Let's, let's invite God into this situation. What would happen if you ran your, your work, your home, your relationships as though it was like the unity of heaven? What, what if your relationships mirrored that which is going on in heaven? That's why we say, God, your will be done. Not my will. If I'm in charge, I'm going to mess the whole world up. Thank God I'm not ruling the world, right? Some of us may think we are, but we're not. But God, as you rule, things change. Six pro tip from Jesus. Remember that God will meet your needs, but he doesn't always meet your vanities. What does it say? Give us this day our filet mignon with some Bernice sauce. That would be nice, and I'm all for that, right? But God promises to meet our daily bread, not our, our vanities and just our whims. And that, that, the thing about it is, God wants you to come to him and say, God, I need the daily bread. The daily bread represents everything you need to be successful in the day for the Lord. It's not just food. It starts with food. But God, I'm getting ready to enter into a stressful situation. Help me to have peace. God, my kids, it's the weekend. They're out of school. My kids are driving me cray-cray. I need some grace to get through the weekend, right? God, in this retirement, I'm struggling to know what to do now, like When I was working, I had a schedule. Now I seem more busier than ever, and I just need to basically prioritize what you're telling me to do in this season of retirement. God, lead me. I read a story, and whether it's parabolic or true, I'm not sure, but it was fascinating. It was about this wealthy father, and he was, instead of waiting until he died, he was giving his son a yearly allowance. It's like a trust fund kid. And all of a sudden, the kid would come to him, and he would write enough money for one year he's like this is your rent money this is to take your wife on a date this is for groceries for you he'd write a huge check for a year how many of you would enjoy that i'd be like all right dad and help me out here but what he noticed in time the son would see him less and less often until eventually the son only came once a year to get the check and the father being a smart father decided i'm going to just give him enough for the next day i'm going to give him enough for the next day and the next day so the son came back every single day Because the father's goal was not just to give him what he needed, but it was so that he could have a relationship with the son. And isn't that true of God? God could, I mean, he owns the cattle on the thousand hill. He could write you a check and you're made for life. But he wants us to come daily for our daily bread. So God, give us this day our daily bread. And just a side note for prayer. The reason why I'm an advocate of starting your day off with prayer, it's hard to ask for the daily bread once the day's already gone. So it's better to start the day. God, I need the bread today. Please give me this day. That's a morning prayer. Give me this day, my daily bread. Seventh pro tip, make confession and repentance part of your prayer. Notice he says, and forgive us our sins. So we've got to confess that. And I think there's so much grace there. Aren't you glad that God knows in advance that you're going to mess it up today? Most of you. Now, is it possible to go a day without messing it up? I believe it is. I don't believe we're ever going to be perfect, but I believe there's always a way out of sin. We, we always can get the victory. But most of us on a given day are going to mess it up. But there's grace, just like there's a daily bread provision. There's also forgiveness that but the, the beautiful mystery of it all is when you accept Jesus, all your sins are taken away. But the daily repentance is so you can have this close relationship with God that God, I know I'm forgiven, 
But now I want everything to be right between you and I, just like a father and a son, but there's nothing between us. Eight pro tip, recognize you can't be right with God if you refuse to be right with others. Notice, for if we forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And some of you are like, maybe push back on that. I thought there was no strings to forgiveness, that once you ask God to forgive you, he forgives you. That's true, but there's a flip side of it. How can you say that you're forgiven if you don't forgive others? A byproduct of being forgiven is to forgive, the forgive and forgive. So it's a logical contradiction to say, I'm going to hold a grudge against you, but I want God to forgive me all my sins. Those who have been forgiven by God naturally forgive out of that forgiveness. The forgive, forgive. Number nine, remember your own human weaknesses and ask for God's help in overcoming temptation and evil. Notice the next phrase, and lead us not into temptation, but what? Deliver us from evil. You ever feel like sometimes when you pray, like you don't hear from God and you feel like sometimes your prayers are hitting the ceiling? How many of you ever felt that way? It reminds me of an old commercial. This goes back 10 years ago. But how many of you are on Verizon right now? How many of you are on Sprint? There there was an old commercial. One Sprint guy back here. Thank you, Richard. There's an old commercial. Verizon guy switches to Sprint. And he's having a problem with cell phone coverage. And he walks around and says, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? And isn't that kind of like with God that sometimes when we switch carriers, sometimes we, we go back to the flesh. And we're, when we're being carried along by the flesh, God, can you hear me? Can you hear me now? And it's like it seems disconnection. But when we switch to the spirit, all of a sudden... God, we're talking to each other. Now, keep in mind, God always hears you. What I'm talking about is hearing in such a way where there's communication back and forth. Like God is speaking to you. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Are you hearing his voice through prayer, through the word? So here's a prayer tip if you look on your listening guide. Make a prayer list to help you organize your prayer time. So for those of you who get scattered for those of you who have spiritual attention deficit disorder, this will help you. Like a simple prayer list. So here's, first of all, the low-tech people. How many of you have a little document, like a Word document, a journal? Anybody have a prayer journal? Here's five categories that really help you. The first category is family. Write down all your family members so you don't forget. Then you have your friends. Write down your friends that you're praying for. Then you have church, capital C church, the church at large, and lower C church, the local church, where you're a part at Arden First. Ministry, are there missionaries you're praying for? Are there people that you're praying for for other churches in the community? And then the big picture, the Bible tells us to pray for those in authority, like the president and elected officials. So these are five categories, just kind of a prayer tip. And for those of you who are more high-tech, how many of you high-tech people out there? For those of you who have iPhones and even Android, there's usually a to-do list that you can check off. It's like a detailed list. That's what I do. I scroll, and every day I open up that to-do list, and I have my prayer. And whenever God answers the prayer, I click completed, and it's done. Whenever the burden's off and there's other one I need to pray for, you can you know, adjust your prayer list accordingly. So just a simple tip. So we have the posture of prayer. We are praying to God in heaven, our Father in heaven. But also, second, the second dimension of prayer, most of you get the first dimension. So I really want to encourage you to zoom in on the, the last two dimensions. We have the persistence of prayer. Praying with some holy tenacity and godly grit. Now, what is, what is grit? Someone tell me what grit is. 
You guys can respond, by the way. What is, what is grit? What's that? Toughness. Have you ever said, you know, I prayed about it and God didn't answer? Well, here's the second dimension. Are you tenaciously going after God? Are you going after him in such a way you're like Jacob wrestling with the angel? Unless you bless me, I'm not letting go. Is your prayer life, does it have tenacity or did you just pray one time and you're done? Here's what God wants you to understand from this analogy he gives us. And I'll put this in 2022 version. You are at home, or let's, let's put it your friend. Your friend's at home sleeping, and I want you to think about your best friend. He, he's all cuddled up in his bed. His kids all have their PJs on, furry blanket. It's cold outside. The heat is going. Maybe the fire is crackling. And you, all of a sudden, you have, a, you have someone that shows up, and it's so late at night, you're not thinking clearly, and you're like, oh, I have a friend that took the red-eye flight into Asheville. I have no food. Grocery days tomorrow, today I have no food. So without thinking, you go to your friend's house, you beat on his door at midnight. Now, no one, else, no one would do that, right? But you beat on his door at midnight, and you're thinking, he's got some food. I know, this guy's got, he's one of those uh, preppers, you know, he's got food for years, so you knock on the door and your friend gets up and just like, what is going on? Your friend's like been in REM sleep, hair all mess, comes to the door and they're like, bud, what are you doing here? Well, you got, you got to forgive me, but I have a friend that flew in and I don't have any food. Now, listen, I know you have some Red Baron pizza and some Doritos. If you'll just give me some pizza and a few bag of Doritos, I'll be, I'll be out of the way. So all of a sudden your friend gives you the food, not because your friend likes you right now at midnight or wants to bless you, but he's doing it to do what? Get you out of there, right? And here's the thing. Jesus uses this analogy to say God is not like that. This is, this is a comparison analogy. If this is true, this is much more true in a comparison phrase. So if, if we respond to people or people respond to us out of necessity, I'm, I just want to get you out of here. Think about God. He's not like that. He's not trying to get rid of us. So he, unlike your friend who just wants to get you out of there, is going to respond in such a way to bless you. But here's the point. Here's the point I want you guys to get and just really internalize. The point of this whole this prayer is prayer is not just about getting my needs met. A lot of times we think, I'm just going to pray to get my needs met. But prayer is you becoming more like your heavenly father. Prayer is the more time you spend connecting with heaven. I want you guys to get this. The more time I connect with heaven, the more heaven invades my life. So prayer is not just about getting your needs met. Prayer is about you becoming more like your father. Did you know the more time you spend connecting with heaven, the more like heaven you become? A lot of us are like worldly thinking because we spend most of the time in this realm. And we live in this realm. It's easy. It's natural. But whenever you pray, you break through the earthly realm and you get before the heavenly father. We enter into his throne with boldness, Hebrews 4.12 says. We enter into his throne of grace with boldness. And all of a sudden, prayer begins to change. On your listening guide, I want you to notice the prayer tip. Don't ever give up on praying for someone until God tells you to stop. Keep on persisting in prayer until you get an answer from your gracious Heavenly Father. So the second dimension of prayer, we, we understand asking. The second dimension is seek the Father. Be tenacious. Go after what He's calling you to do. And the third dimension of prayer is this. We have the picture of prayer. Prayer with eager anticipation. So in verses 9 through 13, 
Jesus gives us an acronym. And I had to ask Cindy Garfield in the first service what an acronym was. Anybody know? It lays it out the words, you know, A-S-K. So this is really simple. You guys remember this in Sunday school, but it's so powerful when you, when you think about it. Jesus says, ask, seek, and knock. And then he gives the illustration of a father. And again, he's using an analogy of comparison. Earthly fathers, Jesus uses the word, if you, the, you then being evil... Imagine if I called my church members evil. I couldn't get away. But Jesus could get away with it, right? What he was saying is earthly fathers are not perfect. How many of us agree with that? If imperfect earthly fathers know how to bless their children with good things, like you wouldn't give your a child a stone, a snake, or a serpent, or you know, a stone, a snake, or uh, what was the other one? Scorpion. There we go. But you would give your child bread, fish, or an egg, right? So here's the comparison. If earthly fathers, as imperfect as we are, know how to give good gifts, how much greater does your heavenly father not just give you what you need now, but he gives you eternal gifts. He gives the Holy Spirit. So here's the idea of ask. I want you guys to write down ASK in your notes. Whenever you A, ask, that's the verbal part of prayer. Most of us understand that. That's, we get that. That's why I said at the beginning, most of us understand the one dimension of asking the s is seeking this is the relational component are you coming to your father are you having a relationship with him or are you treating god more like santa claus are you treating god more like a genie in a bottle the idea of seeking is i'm pursuing god prayer is not just about me asking god to move into my corner prayer is about me moving in alignment with god the more i pray The Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will what? Give you the desires of your heart. That's seeking. It's a relational part. And then the K. Some of you are good with two dimensions, but the K is the knockout punch. It's knock. Pun intended, right? It's like, are you willing to keep knocking, knocking, knocking until God finally answers? Are you willing to persevere and keep going after God? So I I want you guys to get this beautiful picture. This is life-changing. What would happen if everyone in this church moved from one dimension of prayer, like asking, to now, God, I'm coming to you not just to get something, but I just want to be in your presence. I'm not seeking your hands, what you can give me. I'm seeking your face. I want, I want to know you as Father. I want to know you as Abba. And then once we get the relational component down, then it's the knocking. You know what? We're raising up some tenacious believers at Arden first. We are tenacious We are going to keep going after God. Think about Jacob wrestling with the angel in the Old Testament. I will not let you go until you bless me. That's a picture of tenacity. I can assure you, if we put this into practice starting today, your prayer life will be changed. Some of you are already doing it. Your three-dimensional prayer warriors, hallelujah. The rest of us, myself included, we got to add some dimension to our prayer. So throw the big idea on the screen. I want to summarize this into one point. Very simple point. ASK. That acronym will really summarize all of this. We need to pray like all depends upon God and keep seeking and knocking like you believe God will answer. So here's the beautiful thing. Some people say, well, I I prayed about it, but did you knock? Did you seek? You did the first dimension, but you got to engage the other two. Go after it. Put put into practice what what you want to see God do. So my wife, we've been married for 13 years. We're just talking about that this week. It's crazy. But here's the thing, this, this, this will summarize the sermon. When I wanted to date her, she said no for five months. 
But guess what? I kept asking, I kept seeking, I kept knocking. I kept asking, seeking, knocking. And this week I told her, who would have thought, this is the day when I finally wore her down when she said she'd go on a date with me. I said, who would have thought, we, we, we were overlooking the mountains of Asheville in downtown area, who would have thought that night when you finally gave me a shot that 13 years later we'd have five kids currently? And <laughs> those of you who know me, it's an j- ongoing joke. How many kids? It's five currently. We don't, don't know what, what will happen tomorrow, but who would have thought? But see, if I didn't persevere, I may still be single and searching, right? And here's the thing. God has certain blessings, but it's not just asking. It's seeking and it's knocking. So three action steps, and we'll conclude. How do we apply this starting today? Start and end each day with a time of meaningful prayer with your Heavenly Father. So here's an analogy I want you guys to get. Imagine it's cold outside. How many of you have been cold certain mornings? In the morning, you start a fire. And you build it up to where it's pretty hot. That's like your morning prayer time. You start the fire. But throughout the day, you've got to add logs onto the fire. Because you don't want that fire to go down. The Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. Pray continually. The idea is, I started a fire, but if I see someone in trouble, I say, God, help that person. I put a log. If I hear an ambulance, I say, God, I don't know what they're going through, but help them. It's like you're in a spirit of prayer. So you start by building the fire And then at nighttime before you go to bed, it's like, well, I want to wake up ready to go. So I'm going to add some more logs so that when I wake up, I will still feel that power of God's presence burning through the night. Amen. All right. Second action step. Ask God to do his part and you got to keep taking the next right step. So for those of you who are single, it's okay to pray for God to send you a godly husband or wife. But are you doing your part? Are you actually showing up in public where you can meet people? Are you, uh, you know, presenting your best? I mean, there's so many steps. For those of you who are struggling financially, maybe it's taking a Dave Ramsey crown or crown financial course. I mean, there's so many. Like, I'm praying, God, help me. But then I'm going to do the steps needed to do my part. And finally, make prayer a culture in your everyday life. So don't think of prayer as something you do, but think of it as a relationship with your father. Like you're talking to your Abba Father. And it's not just like I'm going to a prayer service, I do that. But man, I want prayer to be so much part of who I am. It's not something I do. It's my conversation with God that will continue on. Let's pray. God, we acknowledge that we often fall short of you. I know myself, sometimes my prayer life is one-dimensional, two-dimensional. Sometimes I like that third dimension of persisting until you answer the prayer. If that's you, as we pray... If you've really not really had the best prayer life, if you've not really talked to God as father, but you've treated him more like a give me this type situation, just tell him. He already knows. Just say, God, forgive me. I'm sorry. Lord, I confess my prayerlessness. God, I I confess that my prayer life's been really one-dimensional or two-dimensional. But God, going forward, I want to do my part. I want to pray as though all depends upon you because it does But then I want to seek and knock to do my part. And if you're here today, we give every week we give the chance for those who have never invited Jesus to save you. The greatest prayer that you could pray is the prayer of repentance and faith. And I want to lead you right now where you're at. I'm not going to ask you to come forward at this time. But if you've never asked Jesus to save you, if you've never prayed that prayer of salvation, the Bible says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So right now in this room, listening on a line, I'm just going to take a moment. 
If you've never asked Jesus to save you, say this prayer. Say, God, I believe the good news that Jesus died on the cross. He was buried and the third day he rose. And God, I've never placed my faith in Christ alone. So today, dear Jesus, I invite you into my life. I ask that you would forgive me of all my sins. I pray that you would save me. And from this day forward, I want to follow you. Because Jesus, you are my Lord and you are my Savior. Father, thank you for hearing our prayers. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.